I feel like we could have the invitation after that choir song and just go ahead and go. Um, but I have prepared something. <laughs> and some of you have a roast in the oven. We continue our message series today on the prophethood of all believers by looking at Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, through the end of the book. Hear now the word of the Lord. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be no means enter in anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of the book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren, the prophets, and, and those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward was with me to give to everyone according to his works. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers, the sexually immoral murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, let him who hears say, come, let him who thirst, come, 
Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify that anyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to them the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, from things which are written about in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Our good and our holy God, we thank you for the words in the book. We thank you for the word of life. Today, Lord, as we are reminded that we are stewards of your oracles, that we are people that are to hold out a light of hope in this often hopeless feeling world, we pray, Lord, that you will kindle a fresh fire within us. You, God, the God of the spirits of the prophets, have called us to be a people who hear from you and speak your words of life. And so, God, we come to you as a church family today, and we say with one voice, humbly yet boldly, speak. Speak, O Lord, for your servants are listening. This is our prayer in Christ's name, and we say together, amen. amen. Please be seated. For a number of weeks now, we have been working with the idea that God has called us to be a prophetic community, to be people that hear the verse and the voice of God and speak out his word of hope in this world. Uh, this was the dream in the heart of Moses, that God would put his spirit on all his people and that all of his people would prophesy. We saw the fulfillment of that on the day of Pentecost when that thread ran through the book of Joel. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, after saying, we're not drunk, it's far too early in the morning. He said, this is that. This, this, is, the, this is the hope in the heart of Moses. This was the promise of Joel. This is God's spirit in the lives of God's people. And the wonders of God are on their lips. We are to be that people. Uh, last week we talked about how God works in our lives within the community of faith to speak his word to each other, to edify and encourage, to uplift and to build up the body of Christ in this earth. And today I, I want to call our attention back to, to a couple of ways that we use prophecy, a couple of common ways that are used, uh, and, and just, just make sure we're clear on a couple of things. In addition to this word being spoken one to another within the body of Christ, sometimes people say that someone is being prophetic when they speak a hard word to positions of power, when they speak truth to power. Sometimes people say, well, he is very prophetic or, or she is very prophetic. If that's being said about you, let me caution you to look deeply within your heart and perhaps into the mirror. Because in the Bible, 
When God stirred a prophet to speak a word of, of righteousness and social righteousness and holiness in the world, it did not begin with, woe is them, but woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. The church absolutely must have a prophetic edge, but it has to be one rooted and buried within a deep sense of humility and an awareness that we are broken and part of the challenge and the problem too. If you're very clear on the doctrine of depravity that everybody is depraved but me and mine, woe indeed is you. So we're not going to talk about that aspect, just a word of caution from the outset. Today I want to talk about the notion of prophecy that, that's commonly viewed by people when they're up late at night surfing the channels. I'm talking about the Jack Van Impey stuff, you know? Like here's the Wall Street Journal, here's the New York Times, here's your Bible, let's make sure it all fits. If you go to Mardell Bookstore, there's, there's shelf after shelf after shelf after shelf trying to help you figure out all the details of current events and how it fits into the unfolding of God's great plan. Some of you might be very interested in that. My hunch is some of you are very uh, nervous about all that, and most of us are somewhere in between. Uh, we know that God is a God who makes promises and that history is linear and, that, and it's working towards something and, and that there is going to be judgment and consummation in our future. But all of that detail stuff, you're either, some people are very fascinated by it, some people are very repelled by it. Most of us are very much in the middle. And so for all of us, we need to have some clarity and we need to have some confidence and, and we need to have a, a picture of what God is up to so that we will be completely committed in this earth. I love that language in 22 verse 6, the description of God, that God is the Lord of the prophets, uh, or that God is the Lord of the spirit of the prophets. And that God, the Lord, the spirit of the prophets sent his messengers to help us understand. And so for just a few moments uh, this morning, I want us to be reminded of what the messengers of God came to tell us pertaining the great promise of the future coming of our Lord and God's good future that we will experience by virtue of his grace and mercy. We need clarity, and we need confidence, and we need fresh commitment. I want us to look at those in turn. First, this notion of clarity. My friend Joel Gregory, he began his pastoral ministry at the Edgefield Baptist Church, a little bitty blue-collar church close to the campus of Baylor University. Uh, Baylor picked up the land many, many years ago and they demolished that church building in the heat of the night so nobody could see it go down, you know. Joel went and got a piece of the sign. I think it was the E maybe. But when he was in that little church as its pastor, teenage kid, boy pastor, he began a Wednesday night uh, teaching series on the book of Revelation. And he said, I just got every book I could find in the library and I stacked them up in my, in my room and I began to study through it. And he said, you know, one, in one week I was a dispensationalist, the next week I was an amillennialist, and then the third week I was something else. He said, I was so confused, and they were so confused. He said, about week five, I just said, the Lord has led me to discontinue this study. <laughs> and he said, one of those old men, one of those old factory workers in the back of the room said, amen, Brother Joel, amen, amen. 
Uh, there's, there's a lot of murkiness when it comes to understanding some of these things. And this is not what the Lord would have for his people. He wouldn't have for us to be murky and muddled. He wants us to have clarity about these things. If you go back to Acts chapter 1, you see the clarity from the very beginning of the early days of the church. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. We have a promise-making, promise-keeping God. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he says, You have heard from me, from John, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They're like, look, we're pulling books off the shelf at the bookstore, and we want to know if, 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 if your book is the right one. He said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. Let's say that together. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It seems pretty clear. It seems pretty clear. It's not for you to know the details. It's for you to trust the promise. And God is a promise-making and promise-keeping God. He said it's for us to be anointed with his spirit. It is for us to be witnesses unto him throughout the earth. And to trust him. To trust him. This is just really a reaffirmation of, of Jesus' teaching in Mark 13, 32 to 36. Where Jesus talked in the very same kind of way. He said... But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going into a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all, I say to all, I say to all, watch. We've been so privileged by having Autumn Seacat join our staff, Autumn and Graham, wonderful young couple, and, and she recently shared a manuscript from one of her first sermons, a sermon she was preaching in her preaching class, and it was from this text. And, and I won't spoil it because we'd love for her to preach it in this church and, and someday. I, I won't be a spoiler of her sermon, but I will borrow a little of it this morning uh, because the heart of it was, wake up and work the night shift. When it comes, when it comes to clarity, what we need to hear and heed is the call to wake up and to watch. And to be alert that the promise maker is the promise keeper. And we can trust him. We can trust him indeed.
Doug Webster wrote a fantastic book on the promises of Revelation called Follow the Lamb. And in it he said, throughout the Revelation, we have never been very far from the vision and the voice of Christ. In his presence, we are constantly reminded that this entire experience is deeply personal. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are not called to merely defend a system of ideas or doctrinal tenets, but to follow the Lamb. The propositional truth of biblical revelation has always required an abiding personal relationship with Christ. My father was at New Orleans Seminary in the 1970s, and he had a friend who became enamored with the details of eschatology. He thought he had it all figured out. And he went and made a big model, a, a big model, and he bought little toy soldiers, and, and, and these, these soldiers are the Russians, and these are the Chinese, and this is what's going to happen, and this is how it's going to go down. And he became so enamored with things Jesus told him not to be enamored with that he lost his sense of call, and he lost his way. And he became from that earliest moment in my Christianity a cautionary tale because God doesn't want us to have a disembodied commitment to details. He wants us to have a personal relationship with the Lamb, to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, and to follow. There are many things that are muddled. On this, the Bible is clear. On this, the Bible is clear. So with clarity comes a sense of confidence. Because this one who promised to come again promised other things, and he kept those promises. The promise of the parousia is out there ahead of us, but there is also the abiding promise of the presence of God in our life, the spirit of Christ that will never leave us nor forsake us. In the book of Hebrews, we have something of both of these, the promise of his coming and the promise of his, of his, of his presence even now. Listen to the words in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetous. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. For we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Friends, God would have us walk through this earth with a settled sense of humble confidence. Not based on our own abilities or wit or skill or grit, but based on the unshakable promise of Christ when he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Therefore, we can boldly say, I will fear not what can man do to me, for the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. God is God. And because he is, we can live freely and with joy in this earth. We can live with confidence. And we can live with confidence because the one who has made and kept promises has made other promises, and surely he will keep those as well. 
listen to Hebrews 12, 25 to 29. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of the things that are being shaken as of things that are made, the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And listen to this from chapter 13, beginning in verse 14. We hear these words. For we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, let him uh, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Here, there is no continual city. We are seeking the one to come that will be unshakable, will be true and eternal forever and ever. One day, heaven will reunite with earth and the city will be God's and his children's. This is why the psalmist in Psalm 98, 5 to 9, could thank God that he was coming to judge. This is why God's people lived with the promise of Isaiah 65, 17 to 25 in their hearts that there was a new heaven and a new earth coming. Go home this afternoon and meditate over 65, 17 to 25 of Isaiah. We learn there that, that one of the beautiful things about the, the new heaven and the new earth is that God is so completely enamored with it. That God will be at joy with his people. This is what makes heaven and, and earth wonderful is that God is pleased with it. And there is a coming day where God is just going to be absolutely childlike giddy over getting to be with his people. Let that dream animate your life. In that new heaven and new earth, there'll be no more weeping. Isaiah said, do you ever just get sick of crying? Some of you cry when nobody sees it. You think, I wonder if anybody knows that I cry all by myself. God traps your tears in a bottle. And one day there'll be no more tears. He's seen everyone. He's known, known how salty each one of them was. And one day he, he himself will wipe them from your eyes. This is the promise. I love this stuff. One day there's going to be no more death and loss. We have, we have domesticated death. We've made it a natural thing. We, we have tried to find all of the beauty in it, and I get that. I get that. But friends, in Scripture, death is the enemy. 
the enemy. And even though we do what we have to do to try to make it in this world, sometimes we just got to feel in our bones the eneminess of it. I love little children being born of this earth, and it softens the blow of losing people year after year after year after year. But you know one thing I just can't get over? I'd really like all of those brand new people to get to know those old people that I love so much. When my kids were little bitty, Red Covington would come up to them and talk like Daffy Duck. He'd go, and my kids would just look at Red as Red would go, and it was just the most beautiful thing. You know what makes me sick? Is that Mary Brandon and Helen have never heard Red go, I will not make peace with that. We were not made for death. We were made for life. We were made for life. And in God's good future, death will not reign and there will be no more loss. There will be no more working in vain. You ever get tired of coming to the end of the day and wonder what you've just done? Yeah, I'm looking at you. Sure, vanity and vanity chasing after the wind. One of these days we'll ride the wind. There'll be no chasing it. No more lost work. No more vanity. No more violence. The wolf and the lamb will lie together. What's who's this lamb playing with? Oh, that's the wolf. Oh, it's cool. It's all right. Most of our good cartoons are about the wily coyote trying to get after. One of these days, the wily coyote will just be a pet. And all will be right with the world. Here's the deal. Frustration has an expiration date. And this is the promise of God. Burl Cain, Josh and I share this quote back and forth all the time. It just seems so appropriate so often. Burl Cain, who was a prison warden, says nothing stays fixed. Nothing stays fixed. You get something fixed and then it breaks. You get something fixed and it That's a person. That's a building. That's a commode. That's, that's nothing stays fixed. We live and dwell in frustration but in God's good future, everything stays fixed. It's beautiful. You say, Matt, that's, that's just pie in the sky. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And it's the milk and the cheese and the bread and the meat and the hope that we seek above will one day come to the earth. You say, Matt, that's just the opiate of the people. But without it, we wouldn't get to the surgery, the healing of the nations, and the glory coming in to the community of God. So this is where we land the plane. If we can have, because of the scripture, clarity and confidence, we can live with great commitment. Revelation 22, 6, the God of the spirit of the prophets. Huh. Hebrews 13 ends like this. 
beginning in verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that's a promise made and kept, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, bear with the word of exhortation. The one who died and was raised is the great shepherd and overseer of our souls. And he works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And if we're clear that he is the promise maker and promise keeper, if we're, if we're confident about that, we can be committed to follow him throughout the earth. We can follow the voice of the shepherd. We can follow the lamb who was slain and is risen in glory. We can follow him. He leads us through his word. He leads us through his word. We, the prophetic people of God, we, the company of God's prophets, are to bear his word and be doers of it and not hearers only. So today as we prepare to rise and sing, let's go ahead and rise to sing. Today as we do, let me ask you very, very directly, are you confident in your relationship with the Lord? Do you know that you are in that beautiful poetic way written in the Lamb's book of life? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. The new heavens and the new earth, that's everlasting life. Have you placed your complete and total trust in Christ for your future? If you haven't, you can do it today. As we sing, you can come and pray. You might want to do it afterwards as we linger, but you can do that today. He loves you more than you can imagine. And if you say, yes, Matt, I, I'm his and he is mine. I am my beloved's and he is mine. I, I'm a follower of Christ. Let me, let me ask you, are you bearing the word? Do you recognize that your call in this world is to do the will of God for his glory and for the good of others? And that every little part of your life circles back to the will of God. How do I seek the kingdom in this or that or the other? Do you have a, a limited vision of what God would have for your life? He's looked over all of your life. And he says, that belongs to me. Does he have it all? Are you holding some of it back? He might be calling you to join this church or be baptized. You might have a special need for prayer. I don't know what God's doing in your life, but I know this. He's at work because he never sleeps nor slumbers. And his voice is going forth and he's calling even now. Would you follow?